Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Hey, hi, hello, what's up, gang? Uh, it's Mishka back from the dead. Um, I was uh, teaching my uh, Yale Writers Workshop um workshop 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 yesterday all last week um yesterday week and i'm completely fucking brain dead from it it's so it's the it's the toughest most exhausting most invigorating thing that i do it's i mean it's really tricky because there's like three hour a three hour workshop each day and then you have student conferences and you host the open mic or the reading or um, there's guest speakers and it's, it's just, it's like putting on a five hour show each day. Um, I get so exhausted. I get like vertigo at the end of the day and I just can't think or do anything. Um, but I, uh, I pulled it off again. I have fooled them again into thinking that this is something that I can do. And, uh, hopefully they'll let me come back next year to exhaust myself again. The, the best thing about it, I, I mean, from a very selfish perspective is it gets me all fired up about writing again. So we'll see how long that lasts. Um, I am recording this header on, uh, on Monday, June 20th. The, um, I talked, I guess in the last episode about, uh, breaking up with my therapist and I feel like I need to, um, I feel good. I still feel good and feel real good. Had a, a string of like really good, um, good days the not amazing days but just days where i don't feel fucking horrible uh where i'm just not um in a in a swirling black vortex all day long the um and it feels weird that it's coming around in the heels of breaking up with my therapist who i bragged to everybody uh about how great she is and uh and she she was great and i i think she still is great the um, she and I had argued about, about a bunch of stuff, you know, in the process, which is, that's part of therapy. Um, but she still, you know, was really all about the 12 steps. And so we, you know, we stumbled on that a couple of times. Another big stumbling block was when I told her my story about, uh, sitting next to Slash at Lanigan's funeral. She wasn't totally sure of who Slash was. Um, so I actually, the, I wanted to express to her, uh, gratitude for, the distance that we've traveled together and also clarify with her that I was like moving on. So I had a slash figurine that somebody that a fan had sent me. Um, so I regifted that to her and, um, she has like a collection of dolls in her office, which I think is for little kids to show her like where, where daddy hit mommy or the, where they got molested or, you know, horrible stuff. But I was like, here is, this is Slash to add to your collection of dolls so you never forget who he is. And, you know, I'm going to strike out on my own now and, and thank you for everything you've done, basically. The, so, I don't know. That's the that's the coda to that story. Um, this episode, I have author uh, Laura McCown on. Um, she's the author of We Are the Luckiest. She has a great podcast called Tell Me Something True. Um, that I did recently. I've never actually met Laura. We just met through the podcasting sobriety world. And um, I knew that I liked her for her, you know, her takes on sobriety. Um, And then when We Are the Luckiest came out, I was stunned to discover that she's just a fucking straight up brilliant writer. 
Um, so of course I had to have her on the podcast. The, um, we recorded this right after the shooting at Uvalda, uh, Texas. And so there's a little bit of shock and despair about the shooting there. Um, I don't know the, do I say trigger warning? It feels so, uh, useless to say trigger warning when we will, we have, we say we give trigger warnings for everything except a fucking gun. So stupid. The, um, anyway, before I start ranting again, uh, enjoy this episode of the podcast with my friend, Laura McCown. I, I was just going to say the same thing. Are are you, um, I, so I, I'm wearing the, my aquamarine uh cat tank top with my uh puppy pajama pants are you wearing the puppy pajama pants too <laughs> no i don't have those on right now the i just went pu- running i have a uh the fuck is this it's my boyfriend i don't like the grateful dead um the, i was from anthony oh, he's it's the primary thing i've had to forgive him for is he is a uh fish fan like like the guy that goes to see all their shows. That's hard. I almost didn't to... date him because of it. <laughs> that's like, that's my, um, I feel like that's uh, reality TV in. Uh, uh, yeah. With... Oh yeah. That's it's reality TV is almost worse. Jam bands are the reality TV of music. Uh, let's start with that. Mm-hmm. The, that's how, how was, uh, how was your run this morning? It was good. I haven't slept. Um, I'm going to quit this so it's not bugging me. I have not slept well in the past two nights uh, because our country is fucked. Um, so I felt bad, but it felt great. Um, otherwise, I'm just slow. I am slow as fuck now, and <laughs> and it's okay. The yeah, so much to respond to there. The I just got in from running too, and when you were like, "Oh, I'm running late," I was like, "Okay, good. That means I can take like my my sweaty socks off and like feed the right. dog, and uh, right. and all that stuff." The yeah, I I have been a vocal proponent for gun control since 1992 when there was a shooting at my school, and when Sandy Hook happened and nothing happened i gave up and yeah i was and you know i had a real bad week after the shooting in las vegas um of sort of like trying to talk to people and trying to trying to engage and and saying like you know this is you know this is why we need it and and this is the logic behind it and you know trying to sort of win hearts and minds and then uh and then I just fucking gave up. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it makes sense to give up. Like I have a little bit of a different background because I grew up in Colorado, um, in a very, very Republican household, um, <clears throat> guns and all that, you know, listening to Rush Limbaugh on the radio, every car ride. So I was very indoctrinated and then I went to Colorado state. Um, and in 99, when Columbine happened, that was like a, an atrocity, like no one could believe it. Yep. 
even though school shootings had been happening before then, that was like the first, that was the most deadly one at the time. And the very first one that like really like rocked people. And that was 22, three years ago. So yeah, of course you gave up. (laughs) Nothing's changed. It's actually gotten way worse. Politics haven't changed. They've gotten worse. So of course you give up. On the, um, on the 20 year anniversary of the shooting at my school, um, that changed my life forever and changed the lives. Were of... you there? Have I, did I know about this? Have you written? Uh, it's, it's in the book, but also like, um, the, I don't, I don't count on people to, to, to have read my stuff or to remember it. I sometimes barely do. Um, but also like that, you know, this is the thing is that, you know, we, um, we talk about school shootings like the first time you smoked weed or something like that like oh what was your first one or what you know what was the what was the time that it really sort of like hit for you you know um it's it's just part of our culture and part of our experience now but yeah i was um i was 15 when um a kid shot up my school with a with an sks assault rifle and i ended up testifying in his murder trial and um, oh god yes okay i do remember you writing about this and then on the 20th anniversary of the shooting, the school invited me to come and speak. And um, while we were on our way up there, um, they were like, um, people were like, something's going on The you know, like turn on the news. And Sandy Hook was mm-hmm. unfolding that same day on the day? 20 year anniversary. Oh my God. Of so you had to go into that speech with that? Yeah. Wow. And the the same day that Sandy Hook happened, um, there was an attack on a school in China um, uh, by a man who, um, you know, was mentally ill. And um, all kinds of trauma in that situation, like a bunch of kids sent to the hospital, um, some of them like lost fingers and stuff like that. I mean, really horrible stuff. But it was China, so he didn't have a gun, so he attacked with a knife. And those kids will be scarred forever, and you know they'll ha- have to deal with the trauma of that forever. And no one died; mm-hmm. not a single life was lost. I can't articulate a more succinct, concise argument in favor of gun control than that. It's like at this point, either you love guns or you love kids. You pick one. You know, it's yep. the it's one or the other. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, especially in the well, I don't know how far we <laughs> go into all this shit, but the. <laughs> in the you know the the roe v wade bullshit that's happening and the the hypocrisy of the two statements is just uh, as a woman and a mother i don't know how to i can't there i don't know how to contain the the rage frankly it's just that. it's I mean, I think rage is the appropriate response because we're looking at the data. And if you look at the data, what the data says is that male legislators don't care about women or children. That's it. The, you know, that, um, and they care they, about power. They yeah. want their fucking power. That's exactly. it. The, they want their power. They're afraid of losing it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah, like full stop. There's no, there are no caveats or qualifications that just, it is what it is. You know, it's the, um, the power of power basically, you know? And yeah. And the thing that, the thing that I think is 
women are going to be the ones to change this. I think women's women's women and mothers, and it's the women who protect this that scare me the most, worry me the most, upset me the most, and not in a misogynistic way in like a, I get it. I get it because, and, 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 and I get it. And I feel like that's the way in is to, to talk to them. You can't reach these men. Never going to reach them. Counterpoint. Okay. We We need to, and here's why the, um, in my life, I've paid for two abortions and the, and I'm, and both, both times it was, you know, with, uh, with sadness and regret and, um, and, uh, given the opportunity to go back and and change it, I wouldn't change a thing. It was absolutely the Mm -hmm. right decision. The, um, in, in doing so, I, um, I prevented two unwanted children from coming into this world and mm-hmm. the and my life is infinitely better for not having kids i um i don't i've never felt emotionally prepared to be a parent i don't think i would do a good job at it i know that i would you know view the you know those children with uh, resentment and that it would have like you know changed my life the mm-hmm. um men <laughs> if they're fucking if they're voting against this shit they 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 have no fucking idea what they're doing um because when we say um, abortion is is a human right, it's a human issue. Um, men haven't shown themselves to be uh, particularly responsible, particularly invested in parenting. The if you get drunk and knock your girl up, you know, you guys should have an option there to be like, whoops we fucked up, you know, the, um, and it should be, you should be able to pick up the fucking morning after pill at McDonald's through the drive through, man, that's not fucking hurting anybody. The, and so it, it just seems ins- like insane to me that men don't have the, um, the vision to see how much this is going to affect their lives as well. Um, the other thing is, you know, it's not, a. it's just not even about, it's not about that. They just want control and power. That's it. It's not about the fucking unborn. It's not, first of all, pro-life needs to be ripped out of the lexicon. It's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with that. If it was, they would, they would do something about the fucking shootings. Yeah. Like let's let's just call it anti-women. Anti-women. Let's call it what it is. No, that that's what kills me. And it's such a, that was such a frankly wise political choice. It's that they made way back when we're going to call it pro-life, you know, it's like yeah, the great marketing choice people. Yeah. The great gaslighting. It, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's prof- like professional gaslighting. The, and that's what politics is as an institution is like, we're going to take a word that means a specific thing. This word means sunglasses, except now it means the opposite of sunglasses it's yeah yep mm-hmm. oh we could rant the entire podcast about this shit the one <laughs> one 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 more thing i want to offer i was listening to uh 
Rich Roll's podcast with Terry Crews, which if you haven't listened to it, holy fucking shit, it's so good. The um, No, I haven't. But at one point, he says... Um, is the, Terry Crews the, the, the guy, the, the former athlete? Yeah, former athlete, um, huge black dude, um, movie star, yeah. was yes. assault, you know, publicly assaulted. Um, yeah. The, it, yeah. I mean, he has a fucking wild story. And the... Um, and he's such a like sensitive macho teddy bear of you know of a dude that he's he's like pathologically likable, but you know he's <laughs> he's talking about the one of the things that I've often thought is that like like sixties uh, feminism kind of screwed women because w- women fought for the right to have you know careers and jobs, and now that's the expectation, but we never got past like but we never got past the thing of like women being the, the de facto um, uh, head of the household. Caregiver, home taker, yeah. manage everything. Right. Yeah. So women just effectively doubled their workload. And I'm like, ah, you know, the, um, yeah. what women should have been fighting for was for men to fucking stay home and take care of the kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's one oh, of the I've things talked that about that a lot. Yeah. That's the, one of the things that, they, that go ahead. No, the, the whole, uh, we can have it all lie is it's we can have all the work <laughs> exactly we can you can have it all and guess what you're gonna have a giant fucking drinking drug problem that's what happened to me yeah <laughs> you know because yeah. something has to hold that up on the back end um, yeah yeah the but what terry cruz says is you know the um we've we've leaned on women so hard that we've normalized you know um kids being brought up by their mom and why aren't we saying you should have two parents, you you should have a fucking dad, you know, and men should be fathers, you know, and the, uh, shoulder that responsibility, man. The, I have, uh, I have a couple of friends who are super dads. Um, my, my buddy, Sam, uh, I don't even fucking text him on the weekends anymore because all he wants to do is fucking hang out with his kid. And so, <laughs> Imagine fucking, that. so fucking lame. Like what a dick. him being a good dad is so makes my life so boring The I think of so much fun bullshit that we could get, uh, we could get into, but no, he's got to like, you know, be responsible and not even be responsible, but enjoy his child's company. <laughs> Where the fuck does, Sam, you asshole. <laughs> he's responsible and he's enjoying it. What an asshole. Yeah, well that's yeah. that's the thing. It's 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 not even like he's shouldering his burden. He's like, no, I love my child more than I love hanging out with you. Like, <laughs> yeah. What a fucking insult. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I'm very lucky uh to have I've been, you know, a single parent since almost three when we separated, but I, her dad is a super dad. Wait, like he, I, I thought you were saying like, I was, you know, I was three years old. I was a single mother. <laughs> Laura, Jesus. I was born a single mom. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Um, no, since Alma was three and, but her dad is a super dad. Like he's, oh, it was always a very equal and as an equal co-parent. And even still in that, I, things still do fall to me. And like part of me is torn about that because 
I also, there's no denying the importance of the, of the mother in raising the kids. Like it's a biological need. I've talked to tons of psychologists. I just did an episode about mother hunger. Like it's a thing you, it's a, it's a real thing and a real need. So I don't think the answer is, you know, moms don't parent. It's that you should have two and, and all the invisible labor and things that women do, they're just, they're not accounted for. They're not seen. They're not, and you can't talk about it without somebody, especially another woman thinking that you're complaining, you're full of shit, you're whatever, you know, it's, yeah, our country, (laughs) and especially in the pandemic, women got just annihilated, just annihilated. But, but also name one thing that's happened where like, oh, women really, really won with that one. Like I, the women, you know, I mean, that's the thing about with, with, with COVID, with the pandemic, with lockdown, um, you're, you're reading these news articles and it's like, oh, the, um, you know, two groups who got crushed during COVID were, um, you know, women and the poor. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> always. Shocker. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Um, w- one of the things I did want to say, though, is that, um, that, um, that having a mother is integral doesn't mean that having a father isn't essential. Um, no, I, that's know, not at all what the, I was saying. No, and, and I'm, I'm, I was that was I wasn't offering that as a correction, but the I'm just saying that um, I listen. I absolutely believe that women can do anything. It doesn't mean they should do everything, you know. And the you know that um, that women punch above their weight um, doesn't mean that dudes like don't have to fucking do their thing do their let part, them. you know the and yeah. obviously too you know the if you come from a, a um if you come from a home of two moms or two dads then fucking hell yeah you know the i'm right. not saying i'm not arguing that you know some uh adam and eve relationship you know but like if you're a parent be a fucking parent you know the yep um, yeah as a girl with a fair amount of daddy issues <laughs> they're uh Yeah, that's one thing I'm very grateful for in seeing my daughter's relationship with her dad. It's like she'll never have to wonder where the ground is because she had she has him. The yeah, it's I think I'm sort of old enough and advanced enough that I um I can forgive my father for for leaving my mother for ending that relationship. And I'm enough of a, you know, self-hating alcoholic that I can even forgive him for abandoning me, but I will never forgive him for fucking abandoning his daughters. And and that is, that is what he did, you know, the, um, and it's not, I, you know, I don't say that with a tremendous amount of pain anymore. I just, it just means I'm not going to answer. It's a fact. I'm not going to answer his emails, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, anyway, the, um, Let's talk Start about you. That I know, right? It just starts like, oh, I just wake up Good and morning. rage. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's even earlier over there. Yeah, the, it's good though. It means that I, I, I had to set my alarm early this morning too, so I set it for uh, five fifteen, 
and I woke up before my alarm and I was like, Damn, oh, that is right, early. You know, Even for me. Let's do this. Let's, you know, ready to go. Um, what time do you usually wake up? I mean, I usually wake up. I mean, I usually set my alarm for five 30 on the days where I'm running with my buddy. And then other days I'll get up at six or six 30 because it, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe like 84 now. Right. You're in and, the, yeah. Yeah. The, so if you yeah. want, if you want to run, you got to get up and do it. And I have a dog. I am, I'm not going to say fur babies, but I'm, I will say I'm a fur parent. How's that? Yes. I'm a fur daddy. Yes. That has needs. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds like a no. real, that sounds like a Pornhub <laughs> category, but uh, <laughs> I, I have willingly taken on the responsibility of taking care of and in, ensuring the health and safety of my dog and, and, and her happiness. And part of that means making sure that little fucker runs in the morning so that she's not yep. pestering me all day. And oh, running the, out in the hot, hot heat and panting and sad. And yeah, yeah, the, yeah we, you, that's a whole factor you have to contend with there that I usually don't is hot yeah. is heat, like extreme heat. The, um, I waited too late the other day and we went out and then, and she was like, you know, she's young and she wanted to run. So she was like going for it. And then we like got to a shady spot and she just fucking laid down and looked at me and she's like, no, I, I gotta take five here. And I, and I felt terrible. I was like, oh, you know, I'm pushing her. Um, I want to, so we, we had, uh, uh, we talked for a second the other day cause you posted something that made me not worry about you, but I just wanted to reach out cause I felt like you were, um, going mm -hmm. through a thing. And we talked a little bit about seasonal depression, about running, about, I don't know, giving up on yourself, about uh, self-compassion and stuff like that. I wanted to, I don't know, use that as a jumping off spot to yeah. talk, you know, to get into our conversation today. Um, yeah. I don't know. What, what were you feeling then? How are you feeling now? I, the, you're running. So it sounds like mm -hmm. you've sort of the switch has flipped in your head that you've made the decision of like, no, fuck it. I'm going to go out there and suffer briefly, acutely, and then <laughs> yeah. know that I'll feel better for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many, there's, there have been so many things that it's hard to pull apart what exactly was going on. Uh, and in some ways it, it matters, but it like, doesn't matter. Cause there's not always an answer. I always try to look for this specific answer to, so why do I feel like shit? Well, sometimes I just feel like shit because that's how my brain is. And I'm someone who is prone to depression and extreme anxiety. And so it happens, but I do have some theories, the pandemic, the two years of just, um, I started a company. I published a book. I started writing another book. I have a kid. I have, you know, got a new relation, like all this, this stuff. And, and then the background, just hypervigilance of that, <clears throat> I think really finally hit me at the beginning of this year, like this sort of burnout is such a cliche word, but like this just it's a, it's like a, a dissociation numbing deadened feeling. It's a challenge sometimes to describe like all the the cluster of things that overpower us, you know? Yeah. And I'm very, very, um, my coping mechanism, one of them is like, like superwoman, like I've got it. I'm fine. 
everything's going to be fine. And I will be the one to like, make sure everything's okay and assure you that I'm okay. And every, and you're okay. And everything's okay. We're going to be okay. And I don't have any feelings. And that's what I did for my childhood. Like that was my coping mechanism. And I don't even know that I'm doing it. It's just like hypervigilance. I'm, I'm good. We're all good. I refuse to allow myself to like, there are no breaks. There's also one of my coping mechanisms, mechanisms is I'm categorically wrong. Like, like if, if I, um, it's always my fault, like that type of thing, this, uh, like, if you're mad, it's because I did something. If you're upset, it's because I did something. If this isn't going right, it's because I did something. If my, this company I started isn't like, you know, people are unhappy or the, the members are unhappy. It's my fault. And just like accumulating all of that and not ever, and not seeing that that's the problem. Like I can't see it. Cause it's just where I live when I'm freaking out. And it, you know, it's a dangerous place to be for a prolonged period of time because what happens is I go numb and I lose my ability to feel anything. So I get this like frozen feeling like I, I can, like, I can't cry. I can't, I can't breathe. Like it starts to feel like I just can't breathe. And I, do all the things to try to help this too. It's like, I exercise, I meditate. I like, I know all the tools. That's the other thing. It's like, my mind is like, you know, if I feel like I've covered it in my mind and checked all the boxes, then I'm fine. But like, it's, you're not fine. <laughs> you're not fine. And I always have to get to this breaking point. That is always a surprise to me when I get there. Of like you, you're just not fine. And that, and like you have, it's like chipping away at an ice block. Like I have to talk to someone or watch something or see something that gets through the ice so I can finally feel. And like your, the conversation with you was one of the couple of things that had happened in those, those like two, three day period where I was like, Oh, okay. Like, um, it's okay if you're not, not, is it just not okay if you're not superwoman? Like this is something that will actually take you down if you keep doing that. I, man, I'm going to force my sister to listen to this because she does the, the exact same thing. The super mom sleeping, you know, four or five hours a night, always making sure that everybody's Everyone's needs are taken care of before hers. You know, she, um, her daughter is uh, graduating from high school. So she flew down for um, graduation and, and sent me a picture of her with her two oldest kids. And she was like, she was like, oh, so proud of these two. But like, I look like fucking shit in this picture, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like just yeah. tearing herself, you know, I'm like old and falling apart. The, I, I'm 45 She's uh, the impossibly old age of 47. The um, I can do more push-ups than most 45-year-old dudes. She can do more push-ups than I can. The, she's, in, she's in incredible shape. She's 
she's beautiful. The she dyes her hair, and I don't, and I'll fucking always rail on her for that. But she, she's 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 a fucking strong, independent, beautiful woman, you know. And the and she's so fucking mean to herself in her head in her head, and it's like she has compassion for everyone in the world except herself, and mm-hmm. the and that's part of what I heard when we were you know talking the other day, um, just that you know, that sort of like grinding thing and exactly what you described, the, the frozen thing, you know, the, I have a friend who's like a gifted chiropractor and she like, she does this one adjustment that's like behind your shoulder and she did it on me the other day. And I, and you know, I, she hasn't done it for two years. And when she did it, I was like, it feels like I'm pissing myself, but on my arm. And it was just the because my arm was like hot and felt like wet and i was like no it was just all the blood that had been like impinged there and then she popped it and it all flowed into my arm and i was like whole i've just been walking around like this you know the um but you know i I feel like part of what you're getting at is that like it's okay to not be okay yeah and even that makes me roll my eyes it's just like oh like it's so deep in there you know it's so deep in there and i know all these things it's for me it's the difference between knowing things and like allowing them to to feel them it's a it's a really long like road filled with all kinds of potholes and barriers and fucking shit between my head and my heart. I choose to live up there because I have, it's where the way I'm wired, but I just, there's more control. That's what it seems like. Right. And, um, yeah. And, and, The thing you th- say about your sister too is part is is in there also because I'm I'll be 45 this year and like this is not something I've never actually admitted to anyone but my friend a couple of my friends but like I over over uh, the past 2 years like I gained a little weight and like my body's changing and I I feel like embarrassed because I'm like oh you're vain like you're actually pretty vain and I I would always be the one that's like I'm not getting Botox I fuck that I'm you know naturally I'm gonna let myself go gray and it's like the moment that start stuff started to show up I was like fuck this I because that's the and that's another bullshit pressure that women have like you not only need to do all of it but you need to still look good doing it and that I don't think can be under emphasized, like how internal that, that voice is like how all consuming it is. I've always had a lot of validation for being a attractive person and being in shape. And I hold a lot of weight in that and to see it start to slip away is sucks i um this is not to say that uh 
to say, oh, that it's the same for men because I know that it's not because we live in a world where women are judged by looks and men are judged by deeds. But I having, you know, in the last couple of years um, gone really gray and the every time I look, my for, forehead is longer and shinier and also just sort of having given in to like uh, Crocs and sweatpants and stuff like that, you know, the I definitely... The the rare times when I go out to um, where I go out in public, the the way that women used to look at me and the way that women look at me now, it's like I I never realized that I had big boobs until they were gone. You know the and so which is not to say like oh we all feel the way you feel, but is I'm saying that I think I get a smidgen of what women my age. Um, yeah. get and oh my god it's fucking horrible the and the other thing is then you like in your brain because you overthink everything so that you don't have to feel you're like oh well um what i'm feeling is the loss of a privilege that i had i had pretty privilege this whole time so i'm not allowed to feel sad for myself now that that privilege yep. is ending but instead i should feel angry or resentful at myself for having had it without realizing that i was being Bingo. treated differently because um because i was attractive the yep. but, uh, that's something and it's like yeah you don't talk about this <laughs> as publicly as a uh, a white thin-ish, attractive person. Like, mm-mm. Um, this is also the part where I have to tell you, Laura, you're still a babe, which is not to say that your feelings aren't valid, but just that it's not over. <laughs> you yeah, still, you, you still got it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And not it, just because we're wearing matching tank tops. <laughs> Yeah. And, and also that was like in no way fishing. Like it's, this is one of the, no, I know scorniest the, topics, but yeah. it's, uh, it's real, you know, and I have a lot of new compassion. I feel it's like another wave of, Oh, all those things I judged other people, like women older than me for feeling and saying, and, and how I, you know, just like waved it off as not valid, Oh, here it is. You know, you're, you're now officially middle age and like, <laughs> it's, it's real. Like you wave off the things that parents say, you wave off the things that black people say, you wave off the things that trans people say, you wave off the things that, that divorced people say, you wave off the things that people with infertility issues say until you, or sober people say until you go through it. And you're like, Oh, yeah. Okay. I, you, you guys were right the whole time. And now I, now I see that you're right just because it's, yeah, the it's now, now that it's happening to me, it's real. The, I mean, yes. there is, you're also describing something that is, it's very Catholic. It's very sober alcoholic and it's all very overperforming mom to, to, to say, I feel bad and I feel bad about feeling bad. Like I hate, yeah, totally. I hate myself for feeling bad. The, um, mm-hmm. and, and that may be part of why you're feeling burnt, you know, burnout. The, um, I, you know, I do think that, um, you know, I'm a huge proponent of the power of, of having a good cry. The, and sometimes when, there's a horrific school shooting or the, or even you find a fucking gray hair or the, you know, 
I was going to say, you know, the you find your butts sagging. My butt still looks amazing. I'll fucking <laughs> that is a hill I will die on. Right? That, a sweet, and my butt's a not sweet, sorry. It's bigger, a, but it's not sagging. Yeah, a sweet, juicy hill that I will die on. My butt looks amazing. <laughs> Everything else, the fucking warranty has expired. It's just like only cobwebs holding it together. But you're allowed to see a fucking gray hair or pull a hair hair out of your ear or pull a fucking gray hair out of your ear and then cry about it feel bad feel legit bad try to feel as bad as possible in that moment and then fucking blow your nose clean yourself up and go on about your day the yeah just feel the thing yeah that's that's where you know that's this that's my continual struggle and just um like the crux of the conversation with you is just like honesty okay i'm gonna be honest i mean i'm gonna be honest for a minute and it never doesn't work you know it's just getting there and and a lot of it to to a a lot of it is um just being admitting to myself what the actual truth is like like again i don't even know what's wrong i'm just frozen inside and i can't feel anything and i feel like I'm going to like something bad is going to happen and is happening to me. And it comes out and like, we have tools and things that we know to do that most people don't have. And yet still we get to that place. Yeah. Right. So I don't know what my point is there, but it's like all the knowledge in the world sometimes doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, this is also why we need fucking friends (laughs) that are like, Hey, I've it's this incarnation of my life is so weird because I have found myself being the the straight gay best friend to uh, several women in recovery. (laughs) And it's it's so fucking funny to be like. Um, girl, you look amazing. You go out there. (laughs) I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for it, but also it just feels like fucking hideously ironic. Yeah. The, (laughs) and then like all my guy friends are so, um, so touchy feely. Now I was talking to, uh, I was talking to my friend Keith, who was the former singer of the legendary Buffalo hardcore band, every time I die. And I was, you know, ranting about my fucking hurt feelings or whatever. And then he sent back a screenshot of the, this is so fucking hilarious, a screenshot of like my, you know, page long uh, text message. And he had just highlighted every (laughs) instance in which I said, I think, and he was like, bro, you're thinking too much. You need to be feeling more. And I was like, I'm, I'm so (laughs) grateful that we're both such huge pussies now that like, we could just talk about like, bro, you need to be feeling your feelings more, you know, (laughs) like just, Oh my God. That's one that needs to be a conversation that needs to be enshrined somewhere. Well, hello there. Uh, This is uh, Steve Jobs, the uh, guy who invented the Apple. As as you may know, I do a a podcast thing where I um, just randomly record things about my favorite podcasts. And the Mishka Shabali podcast, absolutely one of them. Everybody over here at Apple, um, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, all the other billionaires working side by side in the factory here. We all love the Mishka Shabali podcast, and we know that you love it too. So what we would love for you to do is head on over 
into the uh, what's, what is it called? Any the I think it's just the podcasts thing. I don't know. Go over to Apple Podcasts and please uh, rate and review my podcast. I mean the Mishka Shabali podcast. Give it five stars. It's it's incredible, groundbreaking work. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, in the running for a PBD. Um, Peabody or MacArthur. I don't know. It's it it should win a prize. That's how good it is. Now just five stars. Thank you. Steve Jobs signing off. Bye. I feel I feel like that's why I was able to get to you in that moment. And that's why, you know, I wanted to talk to you is because the you've taken on this thing of being the super mom, the bulletproof mom, and then also um, doing what you do the with your book and your podcast and the community that you're building and the responsibilities that you've taken on, you're like, I will be the I will drive the world to soccer practice and meet them afterwards with juice boxes and everyone everyone can cry on me, you know mm-hmm. the and I was having like a weird moment where I wasn't completely falling apart. And I was like, fucking now this is the time, you know, the, that I could just sort (laughs) of, that's how it works. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's like whoever's it's like you wake up the each day and like, you know, okay, which one of us is crazy. All right. Which one's okay. You know, the, (laughs) right. um, Do you got it today? Can you, can you do this today? Cause I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Or for the next hour, and then maybe I might need you in the next the next hour. Yeah, that's totally how it is. And and, and that's the thing is that I feel like you've been hogging the ball. You've you've been <laughs> like the, you're like no, I'm driving. No, I'm still driving. No, I'm still no, driving. It. It's like no, fucking let somebody else drive, you maniac. You know the yeah um yeah no yeah, for sure. But but yeah. also the. It's weird too because uh, you're so fucking smart and you're so experienced and you um, you're like trafficking in this stuff all day every day. The um, and I knew that you had all the tools in your head and all the knowledge and all the information and the um, that I wouldn't be offering you anything new. It it was just sort of like a reminder. You know, the, yeah, you know, you know, when your mom's birthday is or whatever, but you still put it in your calendar so that like, you, you get the, the notice. Well, so you get the notification that like, it's, yeah. Feb- it's February now. I'm like, oh, fuck, really? The, what year is it? You know? <laughs> um, and so yeah. I, I felt like I just had to throw up a little like uh yield sign or I don't know the, yeah. Um, well, and it's also like to have, we like to have your, you know, to have something reflected back to you. Like we don't, we never don't need that. You know, we never, we never don't need that. And also we don't know how we are like our, our self image and our, what we're up to is very often lost on us. Like we have to have it reflected. We have to have reality reflected back. I do. Like, no, this is what is actually happening. I know you're, what do you call it the other day? Your crazy brain. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's mean brain. Like it's, yeah. it's a dick. Yeah. You know, if you live according to that thing, like it's a, it's a real dick and uh, things are always much worse. And, and it's not just a dick. It's very, very pers- like the perception is, can be completely screwed, not just a little off the mark, but like, 
a different land that you're living in is not reality. And that's the alcoholism. That's it's, I have to remember that. Like, Oh, you've got a mean brain. There's <laughs> the tendency is mean. There's, it, there's this weird sort of like hourglass thing though, where like, whenever I see one of the like old school, like, you know, Pentecostal, the people with the placards of like, you know, all homosexuals are going to hell. I'm, I'm always like, man, you really just want to suck a dick. And it's, it's cool. We're cool with it. Everybody, we're all, it's, it's, there's a never been a better time to be gay in America than right now. The things, shit's certainly not perfect, but it's less bad than it's been for a long time. So just like whatever you need to just, do, it's yeah, okay. The, and the, um, and you're like that guy in that you have boundless compassion for everyone except yourself. You know the and. And my sister does the same thing, and I know so many. Um, I know so many women who do the same thing. You know, of they have, um, you know, somebody somebody cuts them off or something, or it's, or you know, where it's just like, no, that was objectively wrong, and they're like, no, they're maybe they're driving bad, to bad you know, day. Yeah. Right. The, um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know the. You know, I think part of it is the talking about this on the run this morning my dad was molested by his mother until he was 14 the and i think that gave him both this feeling that he was special um mm-hmm. and that um and that he was bad you know that he was yeah. he was a terrible yeah that he was a terrible kid, you know, that he was dirty and that, and and maybe also a conviction that he was doomed that, um, eventually one day would find, you know, somebody would find out that, you know, by by the time he was 14, you know, the, I'm sure he had no idea when she started that it was wrong, but by the time you're 14, you fucking know, you know, the, that he knew that it was wrong and, um, the and that he felt like guilt and shame about it the and i i think that's also like a very sort of um alcoholic sentiment of special and bad yes the the piece of shit at the center of the universe you know 100% the a special breed of narcissism where it's the the way that we think about ourselves all the time is to be like you suck <laughs> yeah but we're thinking about ourselves all the time yeah. Also, yeah. like that is that the the self obsession is the is uh that's the mean brain. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about myself and what a piece of shit I am, but also I can't stop thinking about myself. You you nailed it. It's just special and bad. <laughs> the uh... it's a it's a it's a that is one fucking hell of a cocktail, man. That's what we'll call our uh, um, our hip hop duo. <laughs> special and bad, yeah. That's L- a book. Little title. special That's and young bad. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> you know what always breaks that up for me. The mm-hmm. where are you in Massachusetts? Where are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right uh, now north of Boston. What always breaks that up for me is uh, the crocuses. Really? In the spring. 
in the northeast, the little like purple and sort of like pale yellow uh, crocuses start to, and that's the first sign that winter winter is over, or the the end is you know the end of winter is coming, the spring is coming, summer yeah. rebirth life, and that yeah. and um, growing up in Canada and then going to high school in um, in New Hampshire and and Massachusetts, the that was the thing that always. Um, that was like the the tiny little pinprick hole in the like huge balloon of uh, seasonal depression that had swelled up over the winter, mm. and then it and then it would it would like rapidly deflate, and I was like, oh yeah, I can yeah I can do a thing or maybe have a hope. Yeah, that's a good it's a good segue into like okay, what helps this because the the running feeds a lot of the things, not like the running itself, but also what happens when you run. Like today on my run, I saw two little fat ducks crossing the street. And I was like, that the bursting joy that those two little fucking things gave me for, you know, just watching them like waddle, 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 and then get up on the sidewalk and then waddle, 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 like all out of, and just the colors on them. And, and then, um, we have coyotes here. We have Nahant, where I live is like this weird uh, wildlife show. We have gophers and squirrels and deer and coyotes and uh, astonishing number of birds. And like, that's the stuff I'm seeing when I go outside, when I run. So there's the running. And then that's like, what happens when you run? So to go back though, I lost running in the pandemic and in the idea that I was getting too old to run and my body hurt too bad to run. But like, I just, I went ham on CrossFit and running when the pandemic first happened, because that was part of my freak out response. Right. And then I just lost my will to move. Like I, I couldn't do it. And I, I have since learned that's happened to a ton of people. And for me, that's death. Like the first antidepressant pill that I found at 15 was running. And I had always played sports, but then that or 16, but then that stopped when high school stopped. And so I started running and that was my medicine. It for 25 years, it's been like the mainstay and, um, I stopped doing it. (laughs) Not putting that together. Like I, and I really thought, Oh, my running days are kind of over. Like I just doesn't feel good in my body. And I do other stuff. I play volleyball and I have a Peloton and I do yoga and blah, blah, blah. But nothing has felt the same to me as running. Nothing is like it. And you, you and I had this conversation. You're like, yeah, no, nothing is like it. Uh, nothing does the same thing for my mental health and for my body. So I was like, it, it has been I think I ran three times last year or four, four times last year. So I'm truly starting over. And I was like, you know what? You're going to fucking start over. <laughs> like, good. You're going to run a mile and let yourself run a mile. Whereas before that would have been unacceptable. You don't run a mile. Like that's ridiculous. Don't even count that in your Nike app. You know, um, you're going to run a really slow 
And after that first run, I was like, I wanted to cry. I almost cried at the end of my run. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I hear. Oh, Oh yes. I remember you like you're one of your best friends returning that you thought you hated or you lost, or you just like, and, and going, Oh, (laughs) here you are. Okay. And I, it's like flipped a switch in my brain. So I, um, I got to be friends with uh, Tina Muir from uh, Running For Real uh, this past year. And uh, I challenged her to stop tracking her runs. The, mm. And it was really hard. Or I, I, No, I didn't challenge her. She was like, uh, I was like, why don't you just like turn your GPS, GPS off for a minute? And she was like, okay. Do you okay. track your runs? No. The... I haven't for years. I here's a uh, oh here's a, a tracker that I bought um, a year ago that I've never used. Has been sitting here the entire so time. Do you have any idea how you know? Like, oh, I ran for forty five minutes, or I ran for twenty four minutes, or I ran like no, you don't know? Not really. The um, fascinating. I mean, this morning we had to. We knew which route we were running. It's like six and a half miles. The we knew how much time we had. Um, the, you know, so that's why, you know, as I was getting up a little early to like try and make sure that we could get it done. And then, um, the, we ran the whole time, you know, for, except when the dogs were pooping and the, um, and usually we walk more and admire the ducks, the, but, um, one of the things that I, I, I almost said this before, you know, when we were talking about, um, sort of forgetting yourself and then remembering yourself, the, um, I was in the van with my friend Jake Flores, who's a comic, and we were sort of uh, picking apart the show that evening. And I turned to him and I said, Jake, you know, sometimes you headline and sometimes you just play last. And the <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, that's fucking, that's brilliant. That's so smart. Like, where, the, did you write that? And I was like, no, you said that. <laughs> you, you said that like years ago and he was like that's brilliant and i was like yeah you're not supposed to laugh at your own jokes you know the but if you forget your jokes then you can laugh at your jokes right so there's mm-hmm. a there's sort of a tie in there with um you knowing all these things about depression and self-care and having the tools to manage your mental health and take care of yourself, you know what your strengths are, you know what your weaknesses are. You, you have a tremendous, most people don't know themselves and don't know who they are. They, you have a tremendous amount of self-knowledge, the, but that doesn't mean it's um, that you don't forget. The, but also, yes. the, um, because you forgot running, then you get the privilege, the pleasure of hearing those jokes again for the first time, right? The, yeah. This was your first um, one-mile run again. So you get to, yeah, totally. you know what I mean? It's, it's like a sort of a reframing thing. But the, if I went out and ran a mile now, I would be, be like, eh, the, um, I wish I had time to do more. I didn't get Sadie enough exercise yeah. or whatever. The, but um, when you haven't run for a long time, then you get the physiological benefit of your like, totally. oh, wow, the, you know, hormones and chemicals and blood's pumping the. That's um, such a good point. Yeah. So the, you know, you know, as, as your medical doctor, no, the, um, as a, as an uninformed blowhard, I would suggest <laughs> that you maybe just enjoy, um, 
renewing your romance with running because you get to have all those firsts again. You I, know? I totally am. I, I ran a mile and a half the other day and it, I was like, I loved it. <laughs> and I'll, let's let it be a mile and a half. Yeah. I love the idea actually of not tracking. Yeah. That, let myself do that. I mean, that's the, I, so I've run every day this month, uh, with the exception of one fucking horrible day, which I'm going to let myself off the hook for not running that day. Um, but I just said, I'm going to do it every day this month, but I, I, did, I didn't put any kind of mileage thing on it. And I've been meaning to track my miles to figure out how many miles I ran this month, but I blew it. The, yeah. but, um, that means that, um, I, I, I run without my phone. I just, I have mm-hmm. my water bottle and a poopy bag you don't do music. and no, the, um, and some treats and <laughs> the, and because I don't have, um, my phone or, uh, or music or a tracker to look at or anything, I look at, uh, the ducks. It is absolutely yeah. duck season in Phoenix along the canal. And you'll see like a mom with like 11 little ducklings and oh, they're all fuzzy. God. It's so fucking adorable. Or I look at my dog and yeah. the, and she will like take her leash in her mouth, you know, the, and, um, and she sort of wriggles and looks at me the, and there, there are times where like, you know, we go on a run together where it's like a date where we're just looking at each other totally. and like smiling and I'm like, I love you're, you. you're, you're, I love you're a pretty you girl. Too. You're the best. You know, the, I, um, I, I feel like I started, started to teach her a new trick yesterday where the, um, from like her lay down, then I got her, I was getting her to like crawl for a treat, oh. the, which, uh, which I feel good about. And also I was having a fucking the worst day yesterday. And I was like, well, it's, it makes sense. You're teaching your dog to crawl. Cause this world has taught you to crawl this year. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah, mean, there it is. mean brain. Where are you at? <laughs> yeah. I, you were having a bad day yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. God uh, damn. Yeah. yeah. I feel, I, I feel, I, okay. feel a little better. Today. I've never run without music. Oh my God. The let's it's, discuss. It's the best and it's the worst. The yeah, um, you've never run without music. Wow. Maybe in high school because I didn't like. What was I going to strap on my yeah spongy Walkman yeah. headphones? Yeah. The um, yeah. So as someone who's not a therapist and who has no qualifications to make this diagnosis, I would say that maybe you uh, think and perform and record and track as a means of thinking and staying frozen and not feeling the, Mm. and, um, you know, we're always like, man, you know, fucking quit dreaming or like stop daydreaming, like pay attention, focus, you know, the, but if you, if you think about it, the fastest, the the most effective um, method of interrogation is sleep deprivation. 
the fastest way to, to make a person crack is to deprive them of sleep. What do we do when we sleep? We dream, we hallucinate at, in, you know, high definition in fast forward for fucking eight hours. Um, yep. the, the awesome thing about running the weird mundane everyday miracle about running is, um, it's a job. You, you do a thing, you're physically engaged, you know, particularly with my dog. Like I'm always sort of like, no, come this way. No, that way. The, um, poop yeah. there, not there. She loves shitting in the middle of the road. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Hide yourself or at least like that on a nice, no like sense. fluffy dirt or something. The, no, she wants to do it in the middle of like a fucking six lane road. God damn it. The, um, but what was I talking about? No, when you're that way, when you're running, you're physically occupied. Your body is occupied. Mm-hmm. The And that's a fantastic opportunity for you to just let your brain go. The To Unfurl. not have, yeah. yeah, to not have a podcast um, filling your brain with, you know, with stuff so that your brain doesn't fill it with its own stuff or to have music washing over you so that you can sort of like drown out the internal sounds, but instead just to like, think about stuff yeah all right i'm gonna try that tomorrow when i go on a run and i'll report back the try it for a a couple of runs the no i will Uh, but you know like i'm just gonna commit to tomorrow and see how it goes it's it's Uh, scary to just be alone it's the whole mind thing man i like i want i am absolutely guilty of filling my filling my brain from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. I meditate, but it's like, okay, check it off the list, you know? And, (laughs) um, yeah. All right. That feels like a, that feels challenging and kind of great. Like there's so many great things to see. I, I am, fucking blessed with the place I get to run. Like I can run literally to the edge of the earth and look at the ocean and not see anything else. Like it's stupid how I'll send you a a video I took while running today. Cause I was like, this is, yeah. Why do I need to be listening to Olivia Rodrigo right now? I don't. (laughs) There's, there's also, you know, I mean, part of it is, um, like I get it because I'm in the same way, you know, of like, um, there's, there's only so many number of hours in the day and I've stacked every day. I cross two things off my job list and add six more. It's like one day this thing will just break and crush me. And, um, the, so it feels like to be running, to not be multitasking, to not be doing a thing while you're running, it feels like lost time. The and also um, to to be sober requires hypervigilance. To be a mom requires hypervigilance, and to to do fucking anything online requires hypervigilance. Or we think oh, it does. Totally. We we trick ourselves into thinking that. And right. the so to the thought of leaving your phone at home is like, you know, it's the, um, but, uh, but I force myself to run without my phone and to just, the, no, that sounds f- beautiful and freeing. And I hate carrying that thing when I run. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. 
especially now that I have a dog, you know, the, like, our, I'm not, I fucking suck at human relationships, but I think I got this dog thing fucking dialed. She, <laughs> she fucking loves me. Gosh, she loves me so much. She was just, yeah. the, I was laying on the couch last night, the, and she, like, went and stood on the other couch and stood at my leg, like, on my leg, and then she was just, like, a gargoyle, like, leaning over me, just, like, staring at me for, like, minutes, and then oh I was like, God. Sadie, you're, like, come cuddle and she just like flopped right down on me like put her paws on my shoulders waiting for you to ask it's just like licking my whole face i'm like the oh god yeah no i I have that one fucking down cold man i I could write a book about like how to love your dog yeah except apparently everybody knows how to do that yeah no god the thing the thing you posted with your cat the other day i was like oh i i need to work on my relationship with my cat You somehow turned that into a project too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love her so much. We have a ridiculous relationship. The I I'm not doing terrible with my cat. The maybe you can see this is the toothbrush. It's so gross. It's covered in hair because the Do you use that to brush her? Yeah. When uh Elsie will come and bug me every every afternoon, like you know, to let me know that it's sort of like dinner time and the she'll meow and sink her her claws into my leg and then when I go to t- grab her, she goes to run away, but I just grab her anyway and f- flip her on her back like a little baby and then uh brush her face with the toothbrush and she just sits there and just like (laughs) (laughs) i i had cheryl strayed uh retweet a video of me brushing my cat's face and i was like this is fuck yeah this is touching the world man (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay i'm gonna try that i did buy oh god new things if i could have a dog and we could manage a dog right now i would because i feel like i get dogs i always had dogs but i can't and cats are not a consolation prize at all they're like just a different they're their own thing and they're fucking funny like they're funny they're funny ridiculous animals it's like having a roommate who's always on acid <laughs> you're like what are you staring at <laughs> what, why are you acting what, that what, way what do you what do you think you're chasing like the all right man i can have a blast and the psychotic like fetish with slowly nudging things off surfaces oh my god it's wild the yeah i <laughs> you see yeah. it? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the satisfaction she gets. Only she does that. My boy cat is more like a dog. Oh, my God. I just realized that that's what I do with shit in my life. The like, Yeah, are you, I'm going to do um, it. You going to oh, watch? Oh, you see that on the edge of the coffee table? That's a chance at real intimacy. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 it broke. Uh, oh, and then you run it goes. to the other yeah. room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was not me. <laughs> um, are you watching no you got to watch while i do this no, yeah gonna, let's no, make you, no, let's make eye contact while... <laughs> yeah. uh, so today is my 13 year uh sober anniversary and how the... do you feel about anniversaries do you like how how do they, do they hit you do i mean you... On, honestly i had to put a notification in my calendar to um 
because I, I forget it every year. And for a while, I like congratulated myself because I was like, that's the way you should live your sober life where you're not like, I have 100 days or I have 900 days. You should just be so busy living a fulfilling life that you forget mm-hmm. what day it is or what the count is. You know, you, it shouldn't be like Count of Monte, Monte Cristo, like where you're marking a thing and that like, um, that's yeah. that's good good for prisoners, not for, you know, people who are living. The, um, yeah. But I'm... I've been having a really fucking rough week. The so, um, so many things, you know, the, I, I have a cleaning lady now, Maria Elena, and she's wonderful. Maria Elena. If My you're, if cleaning you're, lady's name is Maria as well. And she is an angel. Yeah. If, if you're listening and I know you're not, I love you. Thank you so much. Maria <laughs> moved the couch, the, um, because why would I have it all the way tucked up in front by the, you know, where it's like crowding the coffee table. So she moved it back a little bit and then I was laying on it and then Sadie jumped on the couch and then the world started falling apart. And what it was, was the reason I forgot the reason I had it tucked right up against the coffee table is because I have a fucking rotten board in the floor. Well, I did have, and now I don't because the couch went fucking right, broke that board and the, yeah. So now I just have a fucking hole in my floor. And it was one of those days where I was like, okay, the bottom is literally falling out out here. The, Yeah. yeah, this is, I'm, this is not a meta. I I'm in the, in the middle of the metaphor. I am a metaphor, you know, the, um, so Did that happen this week. Yeah. The, Oh my yeah. God. And, um, not yesterday, but, um, night before last. And I was just like, fucking a, the, like, just can't catch a break. But I don't know the, one of the good things about anniversaries is it gives you a good opportunity for reflection mm-hmm. and um it made me realize that like I'm, st- I'm still here and all the shit that I've been through in the last um last 2 years uh never made me crack you know it never made mm-hmm. me drink the mm-hmm. and I think um using drugs has facilitated me not drinking and also I'm totally miserable. And I think using drugs has also facilitated part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was talking to my friend Ed today on the run and I'm about to start teaching the writing workshop soon. So I'm sort of going back into academic brain and I was thinking about language and the, human beings are capable of thinking and experiencing um, life without language. Language is what we use just to communicate with each other. The, mm-hmm. We don't require language to, um, to have experiences or thoughts or feelings in our heads. Um, yeah. So sober is a word that I use to communicate to you that I abstain from alcohol. The, um, and, you know, how, how, how many years do you have? I'll have like, eight. Okay. September. The, I, yeah. yeah I, that's funny. I remembered that. I don't, can't remember my mom's birthday, but I remembered you had eight years. The, <laughs> um, but, uh, I was thinking about this of like, from our, 
from our conversation and meeting somebody who was actually prescribed um, ketamine, I was like, oh my God, you were doing like one one thousandth of what I was doing. The um, that you know maybe it's fair. I don't know that I would say I got addicted to ketamine last summer, but I I, I got hooked on it. Yeah. The and I I I wasn't maybe the first time it was medicinal, you know, and then um, it was just oblivion. So right. can I still call myself sober now? And the answer is, I don't care. Yeah. It, the, the meaning hasn't changed in my head. For me, the meaning has always been, I don't drink. I'm never going to drink. I'm going to use some drugs sometimes, and sometimes it will be helpful, and sometimes it will be fun. And the, and, and you and I have both done this where we've commodified our sobriety. It's mm -hmm. the, and I think other people have done it more ruthlessly and fuck them. I, I hate that it's a business, but the, I don't think we've gone into sobriety where the S is a fucking dollar sign. The, I think yeah. that we got sober to get sober and then we told the story because it was eating us up for writers. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, um, but, but the truth is that, you know, then I've seen a lot of sort of financial rewards for being sober and the, you have yourself. Yeah. Are I mean, about... yeah. From, from writing about sobriety and of stuff course. like that. And because you're conscious and you can now present, you can, I don't see it as you've seen financial rewards from being sober. You have seen financial rewards from being able to write because yeah, I, you have an experience to write about and it's meaningful and you were present enough without alcohol to be able to do it. Yeah. I guess now that I think about it, like the, I've written way more about, you know, of the seven Kindle singles, one of them is about sobriety. Right, but you wouldn't be writing like, any of those things with that with a if you were drinking. Yeah, yeah, that's so. The sobriety is responsible for my success, but it's not the entirety of my success. You know, there. Right? No. I don't think. The, and commodifying sobriety is not what you're doing. You are. Yeah. Well, I guess. I, the, I guess the reason that I, I look at I looked at it that way is because a couple of months ago, a couple of months ago, maybe January the my therapist told me she wanted me to go to rehab and i was like for fucking for what and she was mm -hmm. like the when when's the last time you went 30 days without using drugs and i was like i don't know never the no i mean long time the and she was like yeah so um she was like y you can't stop using ketamine and i was like or no this was right after lanigan had died and mm -hmm. i was like yeah yeah, when Lanigan died, I got some fucking ketamine. Okay, yeah, the um, that sucked, and also I didn't drink, you know. So I like I'm not asking for a gold star, but like a little bit of understanding, you know. And um, the and you know, but she was saying you have the opportunity now to go away for you know for treatment for this and to to try to fix this problem to to resolve it and i know enough about rehab that i don't think that it would have fixed anything the um I, I think that it may have made things worse but um it 
I'm I'm terrified of like going to rehab or um something like that or like word getting out being exposed or something like that it and what she said mm-hmm. um scared me enough that i was like all right fuck you i'll go 30 days without using anything to show you that i don't have a fucking drug problem and um and i did and at the end of the 30 days i was like oh yeah no definitely had a problem with ketamine <laughs> <laughs> oh okay so that was that was uh, yeah. the thing thanks yeah the yeah okay no you um you were right and and i was right too that um yeah. you know she was right that i needed to stop using ketamine and i was right that i didn't need to go to, you know to go to rehab but i yeah. hated when i say i commodified sobriety i it was a consideration in my head that if I went away, I post shit every day. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. if, if people it. were like, oh, it's weird. We haven't heard from Mishka for exactly 30 days. You know, the um, – and also, I mean, I, I would be honest about it. I would tell people, you know, the yeah. then, um, then all – it's like all the – all the work that I've done is looked at in a new way of like, well, he didn't make it, you know, that kind of thing or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I have I, the fact that you thought about that you could do that. I, I think is, uh, it, those types of thoughts bother me too, because we have now become, you know, come to a place in our world where we can use our lives to, feed a fucking platform right yeah but okay so we had that thought you didn't um i get it i get what you mean i guess i'm saying i don't think that's that but that that is that big of a deal i guess what i the the this is a weird tangent maybe but i was thinking about this on my run um this is a complete, like, we can go back to your sobriety in a minute. No, no, no. This is a complete, like, divergence. All I was saying is I don't give a shit about my sobriety anymore. I know what it means to me, you know, but Yeah, you give a shit, but you don't, but yes. Okay. And, and I feel the same way about, I don't call myself an alcoholic. I never have. It doesn't, I don't like the way the word feels in my mouth. It never felt right. I, it's like, and sometimes people want to make that more of a thing than it is. But to me, it's like, I just don't care. Like you said about, I just don't care. I I know I can't drink. I know I don't want to drink anymore. And that's enough. Right. And, and I don't, so I don't call myself an alcoholic. So the, the, the thing about language, I think is really cool to just um, sit on that for a minute. What I wanted to say was I went, I was on my run and thinking about, a message that I got on Instagram, which I've heard a lot. And I'm sure you've heard a lot too about you're so brave for sharing your story. You're so brave. (laughs) And my reaction to that is always like, what? (laughs) Because I, I, um, and not in a like faux humility who me, like I'm not brave. It's, I didn't, I don't write to be brave. Do people who are doctors go and do surgery to be brave? No. Do people who do any kind of work, whatever their work is that, you know, frontline workers, um, 
fucking people that put themselves in physical danger every day? Do they do it because they're brave? No, they do it because that's what they do. Like yeah. that's the thing that's in them, right? And because I always have that same reaction, you know, and, I, and you don't want to tell people like when they say you're so courageous, they're usually saying something else. Like they want to, they're, they're communicating something about their own story and that they, they want to be able to say it openly. Okay. And so you it's, don't want to shoot like the a, bravery. It's like a slur for women. If people are like, you're so brave for posting that what they're saying is that you're fat. It's like the, you know what I mean? When, if a woman posts bikini pics, they're like, yeah, oh. you're so right to say brave to a, that what you're saying is you're chubby or you, it's, it's not a good thing. It's a shitty yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, but I get the instant. It's just, to me, it was like, why is that? What I thought about my run is like, why does that agitate me when I hear that? It's, and it's like, I don't, I'm not writing to be brave. I'm writing because that was, that's what was in me. I, it is the thing that I'm most compelled to do. I always had been my drinking, like was one way that I denied that kept that at bay, all of that. I wanted to be, I wanted to write always. And I did write always just privately. And I'm not creative enough as far as I know to write fiction, I wanted to write about my own life and you can't really write about your life unless you're willing to tell the fucking truth about it. And I was living a lie. So I, now I had a story to tell and writing is not me being brave. Writing is the thing I do, the thing I know how to do, just like it's the thing anyone does. It's you doing your damn job. It's me doing my job. And so I don't know what that's like apropos of nothing, but it was just this thought that I had. And I, I know you, probably get that and you teach people about writing like people don't just well I would love to ask you this like do you see people that come in and they think they want to be a writer for the wrong reasons I mean that's how I started writing you know because you thought you were going to get it was going to get you laid and like popular <laughs> and and drunk and i would have like a reason to act to behave terribly you know the, uh, um you were gonna be hemingway the i was gonna be bukowski man the oh yeah of course, of yeah. course. and um but i i think what you just said about writing speaks to what i said about sobriety though because we're arguing for the same thing is that um not just at the end of the day, but at the beginning of the day and the middle of the day, all the way through the day, the validation has to come from yourself. I'm sober for me, not for anybody else. I do it selfishly for my own interests, from, so my life will not be on fire. You write yeah. because the you write like a, a dog licks its butt or a fish swims. It's what it's what they do, right? You're a writer. Mm-hmm. The and that was you know that was one of the things that I noticed. Um, immediately when I read your book is I was like, she's, she's not a, a mom or a, a former drunk. She's a writer and she has been this whole time and you were just hiding it from us. You know, the, it is, it is <laughs> what you do and it is who you are. It's, it's essential. You know, it's at your core, the, and I think that's the, um, I, I think that's what, why we have a hard time, um, accepting praise for, being sober or for writing is because at the end of the day, um, it's, 
I, I, I want to say you're not it's, responsible for it. Like, that's what I want. It almost feels like, like, yeah, that, well, I, I want to say that it's selfish, but it's not, but selfish has a negative connotation, but it's something, it's something that we do for ourselves because it's something that we have to do. You know, yes. the, it's like, I yes. mean, I do praise my dog every time she pees, but she would pee with or without praise. You know, the, it's <laughs> yeah. going to happen anyway. Good girl. <laughs> yes, right. The, yeah. There's uh, just this, this interesting, there's just, it's, in, it's, it's just interesting. Um, which is not to say we don't want to be praised for being sober and writing and peeing. So if you're listening, no, please I tell like being it, praised for peeing. Please tell us how brave we are. <laughs> the, <laughs> just, just not Keep that coming. Just not if I post no, a picture of you with my shirt off. <laughs> I would much rather be praised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so brave. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, tell me I'm right. fucking hot. Right. Hot That's or nothing. I like I would much rather be praised for the writing than for the the bravery of telling my story. Yeah. My reaction wow. is always this is I was just trying to I'm just trying to save my life. That's why I was writing all about that. That I, I like Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's Com- an interesting thing. Comics you know, do a lot of things, a lot of commons or a lot of comics do the same thing, the same tags, the same callbacks. And one of the things that a lot of comics say after a joke tanks is some of these are for you and some of these are for me. Mm. And I think that's really true about you and I with our writing is that, you know, maybe we'll see a story that, that bears repeating or bears writing or click to expand because people would benefit from it from it but there's a lot of writing that we do where we're like that writing is, sucks you know, i don't the, like that writing oh yeah no, the, why do you think i haven't written anything in a long time i'm, fucking, I'm over it the, yeah um, i don't like that writing that's the book that i just had to write and I'm grateful that i get to do it there's parts of it i liked but the teaching pe- teaching like let me teach you something type of writing yeah no it's the worst um Laura, I have to go. I have a meeting with my fucking psychiatrist in two minutes and it's the worst. I feel like we could talk all day about this shit and I feel like we didn't talk about any of the stuff that we threatened to talk about. Um, it's fine. We can do it anytime we want. The Yeah, let's let's do this again soon. I I, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for for everything, for for your friendship, for your writing. The You're so brave. <laughs> <laughs> You're so you're so brave for posting your man boob picture. You really are. The I I, I would wish I had appreciated what I had before before I before this happened to me. Always. Um, right. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Love you. Bye. Bye. Mr. Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Well, hi. Uh, as many of you know, I've been very reluctant to start a podcast. It feels a little bit like uh, the MLM art form, sort of like it's the emotional equivalent. Me urging you to listen to my podcast is the emotional equivalent of uh, trying to sell you Amway. Um, but since I have you here, let me try and sell you something else. The, um, obviously, the podcast doesn't make any money and hopefully never will. 
Um, but it gives me an opportunity to shill for the other, uh, the other things that I do, that I have been doing, that I continue to do. Um, I have T-shirts, records, CDs. Does anybody listen to CDs anymore? I don't. Um, the I, you need a car, a guitar. I'll sell you anything. Um, but I also want to sell you my book. I just self-published a collection. It's sort of the ten-year collection of all my best-selling Kindle singles um, that I published with Amazon. And uh, I will one by one. I'm going to read you the blurbs off the back of the book uh, today. Of course, we're going to feature a blurb by my friend Josh Mallerman, New York Times best-selling author of Bird Box and Pearl. Mishka Shabali loves existence as much as he loathes it. For this, we get the grunge and the glory, the funny and the fear. There's a sense here that Shabali took the stairs to life's basement touched the concrete floor to be sure he knew where it was before beginning the magnificent climb up, often laughing at his own propensities, full of grit, guts, spirit, and truth. Is there a better storyteller than the one who has lived as many lives as this? You will relish the spectrum, the gamut, the life Mishka Shabali has lived. Josh, such a beautiful blurb. Thank you. Um, If you're listening... Please buy a copy of the book. Uh, you can find me on all over social media. I'm at Mishka Shabali on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, it's 30 bucks postage paid in the U.S. Send it to me through Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Carrier Pigeon. 